Hey guys, welcome into the Modern Christian Dads Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson alongside Kelly Stevens. Welcome back, sir. It's good to be back. We are a couple dudes talking news, sports, and God, so we're so grateful that you join us on each and every episode. Kelly, I got to take care of a couple items of business. Do it. Do it. Number one, I had my 40th birthday bash this weekend. It was awesome. We all had a good time. It was epic. It was awesome. And one of the highlights was not the Hawaiian t-shirt. Not the New Balance white sneakers, all those, man, those are just so amazing. (laughs) I just got back from the YMCA, I wore them and showed the manager, but um, I got Modern Christian Dad's underwear. You know, everybody wants them. And so now I have a a conundrum (laughs) with this, okay? So think about this. This is going to blow your mind right now. Right now, on the entire planet Earth, there is only one pair of Modern Christian Dad's underwear just one pair just one pair yeah. so and i know we're, we're close i know do, <laughs> i know we're close but there's no sharing yeah, you don't but, you, you don't do share. we so the conundrum is do we do i duplicate them so that everyone has them but then after six billion people in the world have them it's not going to be as original anymore or cool so do i let the world experience what i'm going to experience when i put them on or do I just keep them so that the value increases? <laughs> yeah, yes, and it will. Astronomic level. So one day, that 50 years from now, there's still only one pair of modern Christian dad's underwear. underwear. Yes. yes. Anyway. Hey, that- before you go, <laughs> let's let's get our listeners to uh, call in, email us. Email us. Let, yeah. let us let us know if what, what you should do. Should we mass produce or just... Just a one of a kind. Yeah, modernchristiandads at gmail.com. You can go there, gracepointdaily at gmail.com. You can even, on the Anchor platform, you can leave a voice message. Some of you have done that in the past. Do that, let us know. And then number two, what I love about doing just a show just for dudes is the other day, my wife, she she listens to it. Does your wife listen to it? Yes, she does. Okay. Well, my wife, I was, she was at the kitchen table listening to the Modern Christian Dads podcast. And uh, yes, it was the other podcast that you weren't a part of. And the first <laughs> topic I talked about is scientists talked about what your body would be like if you didn't shower for a year. <laughs> And uh, you'd have clumps of brown stuff on your body and acne and pimples and uh, your groin area would be severely bad. Um, And my wife is listening to this and she just looks so grossed out and doesn't want to listen to it anymore. And that's just the point. Just watching her listen to the Modern Christian Dad podcast was extremely hilarious to me. Well, we are men and we are gross. Yeah, this is a dude's podcast. Okay, so don't don't be judging us like that. Shout out to my wife. She's lovely and she's awesome but she's clearly not a fan. <laughs> uh, Belinda just listens because she wants to see uh, what I'm going to say about right. it. So. <laughs> so anyway, let's dive into news, sports, and God going through some awesome stories. And, you know, we are becoming very reputable, uh, a, a news source, news outlet, yes, if you I, will. I've heard that. I was talking to Pastor Justin the other day, our children's pastor, and he's talking about one of the stories that we covered on this show. And he was talking to me about it as if I needed to know about it. <laughs> I said, no, th- we covered that on our show. <laughs> yeah, you, That's where you learned that from. Yes. He wasn't even that, even aware. So I'm he like, wasn't even going to give us credit for that? Yeah. He, I mean, that's how 
subliminally we're getting into the minds of people now that <laughs> yes. our news, our information getting into their brains and they start sharing with other people as if it was them who came up with the information to share. Yeah. And we did the legwork. We did the research. We explored the data. We're scouring the internet. So anyway, there you go. We are a reputable source of news here at the Modern Christian Dads podcast. Okay, let's dive into it. Story number one, a Marine heroically crawled to the finish line of the Boston Marathon, and it was awesome. So the Boston Marathon, as any other marathon, is full of great stories of regular people going out there and running the race for special reasons, causes, or people. One such runner during Monday's marathon was Micah Herndon, a Marine who was running to pay tribute to three Marines who served alongside he served alongside three Marines who didn't survive an attack in Afghanistan in 2010. Uh, here's what he said. I run in honor of them, Herden said. They are not here anymore. I'm here and I'm able. I'm lucky to still have all my limbs. I can still be active. I find fuel in the simple idea that I can run. Some cannot. If I get a heat cramp while running or my feet hurt or I'm getting exhausted, I just keep saying their names out loud to myself. They went through much worse, so I run for them and their families. Toward the final steps of the race, his body started to give out, but he would not give up. Herndon crossed the finish line in an impressive time of three hours and 38 minutes, and the strength he showed in doing so will never be forgotten. And this is really cool. Go to Google, go to Twitter, whatever, and you can see him uh, towards the end of the race, cramps up. He's literally crawling and dragging himself it was very inspiring i i seen that this morning and uh i you know what micah uh much respect brother and uh uh sorry for your loss i know the guys that you were serving with um mean a lot to you like brothers and uh um, you know i just appreciate you honoring them and we honor you on modern christian day uh, dads today yes sir have you ever done anything like that <laughs> marathon uh uh, done I, anything crazy for I, anyone else? <laughs> I, I ran around the house once to uh, find another refrigerator to get some sodas out of or something. <laughs> I've never done anything It's like crazy. the one guy said, you know, I don't know why I can't lose any weight. You know, I run around the block 100 times every single morning. He's like, yep, I get up, I run around the block 100 times, then I kick it back underneath the bed. I don't know why I can't lose any weight. <laughs> that would be me. Cha-ching, there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right, so very, very cool story and challenge you. Do something good for other people, uh, whether it's running a race or something like that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Moving on to the next story, as we all know, the big Notre Dame Cathedral caught on fire all over news outlets, all over the planet, seeing the pictures, the fire, the devastation. And now we see the aftermath. You can go online again to multiple news sources and outlets and see these pictures. But one of the cool things, I guess, if the, the silver lining that came out of it is that the cross still stands and motives remained lit. Signs of hope out of Notre Dame Cathedral fire. So through the pictures, as they were going through the wreckage, they went to the center of the sanctuary and the cathedral's golden uh, the, or the cross uh, was still there. Yeah, that's amazing. The, the golden altar cross was seen standing as officials surveyed the charred structure. I love that. You know, when we had uh, uh, the uh, Joplin tornado uh, out on 26th Street, we, we had a church that had a cross that was still standing through all that devastation. Wow. It was it was incredible, and it was it did give hope. Yeah, and if that's God did that or allowed that or however, it's just really cool. I had a friend of mine who pastored a church in Wisconsin one time. They had a devastating tornado rip apart their church, and there was one wall. It was like the primary structured wall that if that would have went down, it would have created significantly more damage. And it was held up. It was sitting on top of a Bible being held up <laughs> oh, by a Bible. Awesome. So it just, 
you know, I mean, we hate to see these things happen. They're not good. But when things like that kind of come out, it's just kind of cool. Yes, it is. And it is. You wonder if God's in that or whatever, but kind of a good story that comes out of that. And we're going to talk more about that in our spiritual side of things here at the end of the show. Moving on uh, into a couple sports stories, Seahawks, Russell Wilson announced a contract extension becoming NFL's highest paid player, according to reports, according to NFL Network and ESPN. The deal is the richest in NFL history, running four years at a price of $140 million, including a record $65 million signing bonus. <laughs> the average annual value of $35 million allows Wilson to surpass Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers as the highest paid player in the league. Rodgers had held that mantle since last August. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't comprehend that, but that's awesome. Good for you, buddy. Here's where I find myself in this argument. It's easy to be like, these players, they're so rich, and oh, man, how, I, want, I want them to get all that they can get because think about it this way. If they're making that much money, how much money are the owners making? Exactly. You know, the, I mean, yeah. the owners are billionaires, and these are the guys doing the work. Yep. Uh, putting their body on the line. These are the guys now with brain. Uh, what is it? Uh, not PTSD, but you know the disease that's the brain disease, and they're the ones who. Yeah. You talk to some of these old school players now that can't walk, that are dehabilitated or disabled because of the game. So I say get all the money that you can get. Because the other thing is, in terms of NFL, as opposed to MLB or NBA, these are not guaranteed contracts that they are signing, and they can be cut tomorrow. So now he yeah. does get the $65 million guaranteed. He doesn't get the $140 million guaranteed. So a year to they could do it at the end of this year next year they can cut them at any moment so that's yeah. the scary part of being an nfl player non-guaranteed contracts well, and the, you know the other thing i was thinking about the other day and we may have discussed this on a previous uh episode but uh you know when those guys are getting paid like that their body's not their own i mean they go on right. vacation <laughs> they're like no you can't you can't be skiing <laughs> you, yeah. you can't can't ride a motorcycle yeah, you can't ride a motorcycle uh dude you're just uh, you need to become bubble boy until we put you out on the on the field. So salaries continue to climb higher and higher and higher, and we are the ones ultimately funding it as yes. fans. We are, we <laughs> Not are them. giving a lot of money, aren't we? Yeah. Anyway, Tim Tebow. How some? How about some Tim Tebow news? Let's do it. Last time we talked Tim Tebow, I think we made fun of him, but anyway, now we'll. Uh, <laughs> Make fun of him again. Anyway, <laughs> Tim Tebow is on a keto diet, hasn't had soda since he was 15, and doesn't do cheat days. So, man, could you imagine our wives sneaking into this <laughs> podcast, this episode, the ladies listening, and now they're going to start yelling at their husband saying, oh, Tim Tebow doesn't drink any soda. Why do you have to drink soda? You can already see it. Thanks, Tim. That Thanks, sounded Tim. just like your wife. <laughs> It's customary for visitors to Rochester to get the city's famous garbage plate, but Tim Tebow will be their exception to the rule. When you're 31 years old chasing the dream of being called to the MLB, you can't afford bad eating habits. The Syracuse Mets outfielder and former Heisman Trophy winner, winning quarterback, is still as chiseled as he was during his days as Florida, thanks in large part to his diet. I'll try the hamburgers. I can eat the potatoes or the macaroni. I'm on a low-carb diet, a keto diet, so I probably won't try it. Tebow said, laughing with a scrum of media in the dugout at Frontier Field. Discipline has been the driving force for Tebow, whether it be on the gridiron, baseball field, or TV. 
where he serves as a college football analyst for ESPN. His physique and strength, two of his greatest assets in both sports, took years of work to develop. It involved cutting out things like soft drinks, which Tebow hasn't had since he was 15 years old. <laughs> I haven't stopped drinking soda since I was uh, two years old. I, I do need to quit, uh, Tim, so... Uh, you know, help me if you can. I, I'm drowning in a Mountain Dew right now. He is struggling a little bit this year. He moved up to AAA, not doing so great right now. The batting average is a little bit low. Slugging percentage is low. Don't have those exact stats right in front of me. But we're rooting for you, Tim. We'd like to see you get on that Mets jersey, get in the MLB, swing the bat a few times, and then call it good. Head back to your supermodel, supermodel. Miss Universe wife, and your ESPN job. Yes. <laughs> and maybe someday ESPN will reach out to the modern Christian dads. They probably won't like the Christian part, and so they probably never will. But yeah, but, but Tebow might. He, yeah. He, he might reach out to us. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Moving on. This one. Okay. Okay. Our wives, please stop listening right now. Turn it off. Yes, Belinda. Okay. Turn I it off. I thought this was absolutely hilarious. Vasectomy cakes are a thing. Okay, listen. Okay, we're, we're, stay with me, all right? Cakes topped with everything from scissors and well-placed blueberries. Uh, I'll skip the next part. Have become a social media sensation as bakers across the U.S. promote photos of baked goods decorated to celebrate the procedure. What generated buzz most recently was an Instagram post by Signature Desserts in Nolensville, Tennessee, showcasing a buttercream frosted cake with 100% juice no seeds happy <laughs> vasectomy oh written on top it featured lemon <laughs> lemons hand painted on edible paper and cost the client who conceived of it for her husband thirty dollars <laughs> the six sorry this is hard to get get through that yes. six inch red velvet cake went viral the business has since gotten request for hysterectomy cakes all right it's not every day that somebody wants a humorous edgy cake said Nate Klingman, who know, who owns the business with his wife, Jillian, and makes about 50 cakes a month. It blew up very quickly, and I was surprised. So, <laughs> Well, first off, after going through that surgery, I don't know that I would want any cake, but that's that's really kind of funny. You didn't get a vasectomy cake. This, this is America. Isn't this great? What we can make money off, what we can do, the creativity. Yes, we can celebrate that anything. we can have today. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> All right. So if you have a friend going through it, we're just giving you a good idea. It was like, remember the potato? Was it the birthday potato we covered back on one of our episodes? Remember that? It was the it was a, for Christmas or a birthday. It was just like just a potato <laughs> with a message on it that you bought. Yes, and sent yes, to your, Remember yes, that yes, one? Yes. This is kind of along those same lines, the vasectomy cake. Um, hey, uh, modern Christian dads out there, if you're going to get a vasectomy, please, I'm begging you, please call in or email us so we can uh, get you a cake. I really want to celebrate that. Yes. All right. You are you, Kelly, are you a cat or a dog person? Neither. I am a dog person. I am a dog person too. I absolutely hate cats, um, have some bad experiences and stories and just generally hate them anyway. So, all right. But this is a very interesting. Scientist had, uh, doing some research. Cats are paying attention to you, even if they act like they don't care. Studies suggest a new study says that cats can learn and react to the sound of their own name. It also claims to be the first experimental evidence that cats can discern human speech. The results published Thursday in journal scientific reports do not suggest cats can attach meaning to words 
words or understand their name refers to their identity like dogs because they're smarter. Uh, rather, Japanese scientists documented that cats reacted differently to their own name as compared to other words they perked up. That happens because the animals hear their name often and begin to respond to the word, Sato explained. Cats learn that their names often followed by rewards such as food or play, but sometimes before negative events like a visit to the vet. The new study confirms that cats are paying attention to you, what you say, and what you do, and they're learning from it, said Monique Udell, who also studies animal behavior at Oregon State. <laughs> so cats... That, well, it's, what's what's the name of your Alexa? Alexa, yeah. it, they sound like an Alexa. Right, I mean, they're right. paying attention to learning from you. You don't uh, think Alexa's <laughs> listening, but she is. <laughs> She's always listening. Alexa, are you listening to us? I only listen after you say the wake word. Oh, okay. All right. It's, it's scary. Scary. All right. It's like our wives. They're listening to us, you know. <laughs> yes, and they're learning. <laughs> <laughs> and they're learning, yes. They're evolving and growing. All right, so again, the horrific accident of the Notre Dame Cathedral burning down and how that was. And I just wanted to touch a little bit on kind of the subject matter of the body, us really being the temple of the presence of God. It's interesting. I came from to Missouri from pastoring in Utah, and I'm just kind of going along these lines of, how we as people in our humanity, which isn't necessarily a horrible thing, but we always connect our religion to a physical structure, a building, you know, so as this building was burning, people are like, oh my goodness, this is so horrible. This is, you know, it's kind of like their religion was being affected and being destroyed because of a building. And we begin to attach our spirituality yes, to buildings and physical things. And that's not the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God is a is not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Yes. And we've always wrestled with this. this is, even Jesus, you know, he was the one who said, I'm going to tear, destroy the temple and build it, rebuild it in three, three days. days. And obviously speaking to the resurrection and people couldn't wrap their minds around that. They're like, what? He's going to destroy. That's not even possible. Why would he want, how is this going to happen? You know? And again, the disciples themselves who followed him under his teaching were the same ones who were, couldn't figure out what his death was all of. I thought we're going to start this new movement and this new kingdom and this new political structure. And Jesus like, no, I'm talking about the spiritual yes. lives of people. And as I was getting to uh, referring to Utah, the land of Mormonism. It was amazing even how much they emphasized their religion revolved around the structure. So for example, yeah. I was in Ogden during my time period there, they built a brand new temple there. And that's a big deal when the Mormons build a new temple. Cause I mean, they're pouring millions of dollars into this thing and they are beautiful buildings. And uh, I had the opportunity. What they do now is when they build a new one, there's like a two to three week window where they, you can visit, even if you're not Mormon, they let you tour it and visit it and that kind of thing. And you go in and, and, uh, sorry, if you're of the LDS church, uh, it's just a really big, fancy, boring building. That was, my, that was my <laughs> takeaway, uh, from, I was like, wow, it's really, really nice, but it's really boring in here right now and lifeless. That was my opinion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All my LDS friends, but how much they, you know, because in this building you were baptized and you went to the holy room and that's like where the presence of God really, really was, you know, yeah. and you walked away saying like, guys, it's a building. That, yeah. That's not where Jesus is. Jesus wants to live in your hearts and in your lives. And all that getting to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the 
gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. And this scripture just kind of saying, hey, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is inside of you. It's not inside of a building. It's not inside of a temple. It's not a location. It's you. Yeah. There's, there's no life in the building structure. The life is in the church body. And, and, uh, uh, it's so exciting that we get to do life together. You know, uh, we get help to get to uh, uh, carry each other's burdens, praying for one another, celebrating victories and, and things like that. That is the church body, not yeah. the building. Yeah. And, you know, for this particular people group in Corinthians, you got to keep in mind that their city, the city of Corinth had, uh, I remember one time I think I looked up 11 or 12 temples in it. A lot of them uh, were sex temples with yeah. shrine prostitutes in them. And so this whole city and culture revolved around temples. And so I, could, yeah. I can't imagine the church at that time trying to share Christ, yeah. seeing people converted and trying to realter their thinking to be like, hey, it's not about temples anymore. Yeah. It's about an inward relationship with Jesus. This yeah. is what it's about now. And them trying to flip that mindset yeah. after having lived and existed in that for so long. Yeah. I love when I read this question. The other thing I love to ask is if I went up to someone and I said, Hey Kelly, what's your church look like? Mm. You know, what, what would we do with that question? Our instant reaction would be like, Oh, it's uh, you know, Oh yeah. Grace point. Oh yeah. 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 And we would think of like all the cool things about it. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to see it. Uh, we just, uh, we did some stuff with our stage. Oh yeah. We got a yeah. cool coffee area. We got a, and we'd start describing a physical building, right? Right, right. And it'd be like, no, what? what's your church look like? And yeah. I love that question. I did a sermon based around that one time, like, what's your church look like? Yeah. Not your church, your your church, yeah. you. Yeah. What does your, what is your spiritual look like? I mean, if I could rip open your chest and, you know, it's again, not physical, but, you know, if I could look inside the depths of who you are spiritually, right. what would your church look like? Right. Not the building, not the things that you do, but who you are and what you are. Yeah, it's funny because when when Jesus was talking to his people, he was always talking about spiritual things, yeah. and they weren't getting it. They always went to the physical, you know. And we we do the same thing today. We yeah. always go to the physical instead of thinking about that spiritual side. I challenge you to go up to someone today, tomorrow, and just pose that question to them and see what answer you get. Hey, what does your church look like? And then say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about like a physical church. I'm talking about your yeah, church. That's a First great Corinthians question. chapter six, verse 19. So I'm challenging you with that. And the reality is, as this verse says too, your church is not supposed to revolve around you. We talked about this. We're going through this series right now called I am a church member and the value of church membership and to be an effective church member that we, we always build church around us, yeah. our wants, our needs. It's about us. Yeah. And I, and we can go deeper into that question too. In your church, yeah. your church is not supposed to be about you. Not not just Grace Point. I mean, you know, if you go to Grace Point, whatever church you go to, not your church, but your church, you. Your church is not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about the presence of Jesus, being holy and sacred in that place, and then flowing out of you right. to touch the hearts and lives of other people. Amen. I love that scripture. You were God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. Does your temple, does your church, does it 
glorify God? Does it please God? You know what, Kelly, if that cross, I mean, it's really, it's a really nice story. It's a cute story that the cross didn't burn. It's still standing, but if it would have burned down, so what? So what? If the, the, the shroud or, you know, that was, or Jesus's thorns, if those would have burned up and it really, so what? Yeah. That's not the temple. That's not the presence of God. Uh, And it, again, speaking from a Mormon perspective, not my perspective, but being in a Mormon culture and their perspective, just wanting to say that all the time. You're like, man, it's God's presence is everywhere. It's here. It's right now. It's, it's at this podcast table and it can be just as strong. We do such a disservice when we start connecting God's presence to other things. Right. And it doesn't mean, listen, I'm a pastor. I want you to come to church really bad. You know, I want, I want everyone to, there's a value in those things. Um, church buildings, they're tools, they're, they're good things. They're not inherently evil, but we have to remember at the end of the day, at the core of who we are, this is the temple. This is your church. You, what does it look like? What is your church look like? And guess what? I tell people this all the time, whether you want to be a pastor or not, you're called to pastor a church. Yeah. Your we, own church. Well, and we were just <laughs> talking about that uh, in my uh, uh, Sunday school class this last Sunday. Uh, we've all been called. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, pastors called, the evangelists called. Well, they are called, but they're called too. And uh, yeah. a lot of times they don't think that they are, you know. We begin to equate. We, I just did a podcast with my girls talking about using your gifts. And I think sometimes we think just using your gifts means having to be a minister or, you know what I'm saying? We start, again, we start equating it in these religious kind of things. When we're all the church, we're all called to be the church, right? We're all called to express the glory of God and the presence of God through our churches. We come together to be one church, but we're a bunch of little churches really. Yeah. So, well, you know, and if, if, uh, uh, you meet somebody at Walmart, wherever it happens to be, and, uh, they're needing prayer, you don't have to go track down pastor. To pray, you know, to come and pray for them. You pray for them. You are part of the church, and you've been called. Uh, The same way if uh, you come across somebody and you can lead them uh, uh, to Jesus and and get forgiveness of their sins, you can do that. You don't have to go get pastor. Oh, I wish pastor would have been there because they would have got saved that day. No, you can do that. I wish it was like that, and there are preachers that preach with that mentality as if— we're somehow, you know, I, I was thinking about this today as I was in the gym. I don't know why, but sometimes as pastors, preachers, we start playing the role of God. We think we're God, like somehow the presence of God doesn't yeah. move or work without us. Like that is so far yeah. from the truth. Because once again, we're, we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the resurrection, the resurrection power, we're not reading this verse, but the resurrection power of Jesus lives in us yes in us through us you know that's why easter man this isn't an easter special episode but the resurrection power of jesus amen is inside of me and why don't i just let it go out and get people and reach people and connect with and touch people so same thing you know we're we can't this church isn't just designed to stay in here inside of me it's designed to just explode out of me into the hearts and lives of other people amen so what does your church look like? You know, well, my church look, no. what is your church? You, this first Corinthians six chapter 19 says now because of Jesus, you are the temple of the Holy spirit. God dwells inside of you. Jesus right here, right now, even as we're doing this podcast, he's here with us. I'm sure he 
Rachel, I'm sure Jesus loves the Modern Christian Dads podcast. But <laughs> yes. Anyway, hey guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Keep connecting with us. Hope you have a great Easter weekend if we don't talk to you guys before then. But thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. Modern Christian Dads.